And as we go through the book of Acts here this year, you're going to see all the, the growth of the, the first church, the church in Jerusalem, and then other churches in um, uh, places like Antioch and other places. And um, we're going to learn from it. So Acts chapter 3, and as we go to this thing, I want you to remember that one man's healing, the, the God working in one man's life stirred up a lot of commotion. Look there in chapter 3 and verse 1. We're going to read down to verse 9. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms, we'd say mercy giving, uh, kindness, charity giving, of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, and Peter, fastening his eyes on him, with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. He thought, oh, good, somebody's going to give me money. Verse 6, and then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Can you imagine that? He hasn't, he has never been anywhere but horizontal all his life. He has been carried. He has been overlooked, stepped over all his life. And he is beside himself with joy. He is walking and leaping. He invented the Irish dancing, I guarantee you. And praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Now, it wasn't the, just the miracle that excited everyone. I want you to understand. Here's a crippled man now walking and running around. But it was the way that he was healed. There was a name used and believed that, that, that worked. It was, it was a miracle, okay? Now, when that name is mentioned, all of a sudden it's spread like wildfire, and, and, and the authorities heard of it. And to the authorities, Jesus was history. Jesus was gone. He was dead. And here was all of this Talk about Jesus being alive and doing miracles still. And it cut those, those religious leaders to the heart. They were like, why do you keep talking about a guy that's dead? Because he's not. So they started to push back, all right? <clears throat> Look in chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, Peter's been preaching, the priests and the captains of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people that they preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead and they laid hands on them and they put them in hold into prison until the next day for it was now eventide. So all of a sudden they grab them and they shut them down and they put them in jail and they're pushing back and saying, we're not going to let you keep talking about this guy, Jesus, but that's okay. Look there in verse four, it says, how be it, even though pressure starts to come on Christians there, many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of them, of the men, was about 5,000. So, oh, listen, persecution has never been bad for Christianity. As a matter of fact, the worst thing that happens to us is when we have just plain sailing, lots of money, no problems. We fall out. We get, we nitpick and we get grumpy and we're unhappy and we're unsatisfied and we just, just fall away. 
And the best thing that happens to us as Christians is a bit of pressure, a bit of heat, a bit of persecution. So 5,000 got saved. So uh, persecution is now coming into full force, as John preached last week. And they brought Peter and John and that crippled man. They brought them before the council. All right. If you were in school, it was the principal's office. Okay. <laughs> it was, they're in trouble now. now. Acts chapter 4, we're going to pick up in verse 13. And we're going to see something about that new church that those christians there starting in verse 13 and 14 it says now when they saw here's the word boldness of peter and john i when i came to ireland i only knew the word bold in a meaning of courage but i heard everybody said boy boy that's a bold child and i thought well it's courageous and no that's a bad child <laughs> i'd never heard it in another way than just growing up thinking that it was courage courageous this is not a bad meaning here. They saw the boldness. They saw the courage of Peter and John. They perceived, keep going there in verse 13, that they were unlearned and ignorant men. There's a funny word. There's a funny thing I'm going to teach you about that word ignorant in a second here. And they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Beholding also the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Here, looking at those three men, I want you to understand they are standing before 71 of the most powerful men in Israel. This was called the Senate of the Jewish government. It was very daunting. Sorry, Bill. It was very daunting and very scary to stand and be looked down upon, you know. Um, I've been in some offices where when you they, they, they put the chair of the visitor lower than of the guy behind the desk. You ever notice that? They do that on purpose, all right? <laughs> well, these men, these powerful men are all up above Peter and John and this ex-cripple. But you also have to remember, this is the same council that had Jesus stand before it and that had examined him by force. They called for men to come and smite Jesus and trying to provoke Jesus into lashing out so they could find something against him. And he didn't and he wouldn't. And that same council still declared that Jesus had to die and he's got to be crucified and they delivered him to Pilate and then to the cross. This is the same council that had the power of life and death. And these three ignorant and unlearned men are standing there. And those rich and powerful men saw four things in those three men. The first thing they saw was boldness. They saw courage in these two men. Peter and John had shown so much boldness out in the crowds and here they're standing up there. They're not cowering. They're not, oh, we're going to be in trouble. Oh, I wish I hadn't said anything. Oh, why did, I, why did I come out of the house today? These men are standing there. They're at rest. They're calm. They're looking people in the eye. They have courage. You know, Romans 10, 11 says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There is no shame in standing for Jesus Christ. Not only did they see their boldness, but they saw ignorance. I think this is quite humorous. They saw, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant. They're not very impressive. They didn't have nice clothes on. <clears throat> but they knew these guys aren't educated. They didn't go to our schools. Uh, these guys, I want you to understand, the Greek word under the word ignorant is idiot. 
Now, I think it's a really low thing to call somebody an idiot. In, I know in Ireland it's called Egypt. But that's idios is the word that they used. These men are idiots. That's what they're calling them. They're looking at them going, these guys don't know how to add four plus four. Now, it's not wrong to be educated. Let me make sure you understand that. There's nothing spiritual about being stupid. Okay? I think all education is wrong. That's not the right biblical way. As a matter of fact, folks, the queen of all sciences is the study not of physics or biology or geology or math, but it is the study of God, which is called theology. There's nothing wrong with education. Um, knowing and understanding God is the foundation of all other science. You know what Jeremiah chapter 9 says, 23 and 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in all his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory and get all excited about his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. To study and to know God will actually give your mind great sanity and great ability to pursue astronomy and biology and math and all the sciences. You see, when you know that there's a God of order, you look for order. If you don't think there's a God, you see chaos. The greatest minds in history were not the Albert Einsteins. You remember Albert Einstein? He gave us a bomb. What a great contribution. <laughs> don't think that all the great scientists were not Christian. The great scientists were the Isaac Newtons that believed the Bible. The Galileos, the Gregor Mendels, the Louis Pasteurs, the George Washington Carvers. You should learn about him. He's a black man who looked out at the peanut crops and looked out and he saw there's got to be something we can do. He kind of found hundreds of ways of bettering farming that no man had ever come up with. He is a scientist par excellence, and he believed the Bible. Got people like Robert Boyle and Michael Faraday and Arthur Compton and Florence Nightingale. These were people that believed the Bible, and when they looked at science, they saw order and they saw truth, and they changed the world. Don't think that all the scientists were atheists. Then they saw the influence of Jesus. They saw the influence of Jesus in them. These men were only important because they had spent time with Jesus. You know why you and I are important at all? Because of Jesus. Honestly, you know what our wise gentlemen, you know what our wise want to see? In us, they already see how handsome and how strong we are. I mean, that's okay. But you know what they want to see? They want to see Jesus in us. You know what our kids want to see in their father and in their mother? They want to see if you spend any time with Jesus Christ because that affects the world. They could see these guys may be stupid and ignorant and unlearned. Oh, boy, Jesus had an effect on them. And the best thing that can happen is when you come to church, that it's not the church that you're coming to. It's the feet of Jesus Christ that you're listening to and you're letting him affect you. And when you go out that door and you go home, people ought to know you're at church. You're a better man today than you were yesterday. Amen. They saw that Jesus had been with them. It matters how much time you spend with Jesus Christ. And I can tell. I can tell when I haven't spent much time with Jesus. My wife can tell too. <laughs> Lastly, they saw a bona fide miracle had happened. 
they saw that crippled man. I bet you he was still over there dancing. <laughs> I mean, why would you stop? If you were able to walk and you'd never walked a day in your life, that man is sitting there just, he's not fidgeting. He's just doing the Irish dance. And they go, this is a miracle. They saw something that was amazing. It, was, it made them so they were speechless. They just, we can't say anything against this. Well, they still tried. Look at verse 15. Have you ever heard of the thing called cancel culture? It's a modern thing today. Everything canceled because of this, because of that. It's offensive here. To, well, it began a long time ago. Look at verse 15. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, all of these 71 men conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? What are we going to do to them? <laughs> nice thing to conclude. For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that is spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them. There's your words. That they speak henceforth to no man in his name. And they called upon them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered. See, how far are we? Down to verse 18. But uh, uh, we'll start. We'll stop in verse 18. Just take it there. All right. So. Here, the authorities had to do something. There were thousands and thousands of people who were quitting Judaism and following Christ now. I mean, it was a big deal. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter uh, with most people, um, miracles and answers to prayer and your life being changed. The, the, when, when, when your life starts affecting others, people will get upset. Um, I can give you examples. I better hold off for a moment here. Uh, to them, the Jesus theology had to be stopped. They didn't mind. Okay, you can have your miracles. You can have your Bible studies, but don't mention Jesus. Don't preach like he's God. And definitely don't preach like he's judge. So they, they wanted to stop hearing that name. Isn't that still today? I mean, you can talk about anybody else. Gandhi, Buddha, Muhammad. You can talk about anybody else. You mentioned Jesus. Christ. Stop that name. Is that spirit that's just there. So they started threatening them. Started threatening them. They threatened them with expulsion from the temple. And that's okay. Guess what? We're the temple now. They threatened them with loss of jobs and income. And that's okay for a Christian because a Christian will just go out and find another job. The Lord will take care of us as we just do what we're supposed to do. They threatened them with jail and with prison. And that's okay. No matter where you put me, I am free. I am a free man. I don't care if you put me in jail for the rest of my life. I am free now in Christ. If any man, um, uh, the son therefore shall make you free, you are Free indeed. Oh, put you in jail. You could put my body in jail, but I am free. And they threatened to cancel their freedom to even meet together. They were going to make it illegal to have church meetings. And this is still the reaction of people today who speak truth to power. Isn't it true that all we see today is a, a cancel, an oppress, belittle, shutting up the speaker that you don't agree with. So they ban you on Twitter and on Facebook 
I like how they say, you've repeatedly posted things that aren't allowed. <laughs> so they shut you down. They put you in fake book jail. Amen. No debate is allowed. You can't, we don't want to hear both sides. And we threaten you. I've seen it over and over. The last 20 years have been terrible watching people. You can't even have a discussion without everybody being offended. It's so strange. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me for one second here. Well, listen to me the whole time, but listen, especially right now. It is so strange that school teachers, listen to me, can groom five-year-olds with LGBTQ perversion, but the moment that a teacher mentions the name of Jesus, she's fired. And she's not given another job. That's the result of cancel culture. But let me tell you the worst thing. As a pastor and a Christian, my greatest sorrow is that I don't have much to worry, that we have little to worry about other religions canceling our church, but that we ourselves will cancel our own Christianity. You know how we do that? By not coming. By not making this thing our church. You see, what does it take to cancel a church? Neglect. Now, I know persecution is out there and it's coming. It's all over the world. Why isn't it here? It's the grace of God. But when it comes, will we even come to church? We're the ones that are canceling our own churches. There are churches right now all over this world that are shutting down. Pastors are quitting. Why? Because we're doing it to ourselves. We're not committed to this steadfastly and continuing saying, I've got to stay with this. Jesus was committed to me. What am I doing in commitment to him? Why were they trying to cancel Christianity? Do you realize that's the only reason why we're here? The only reason why Jesus didn't take you to heaven when you died was because he said, I want you to do some things in my name now. Go to Matthew 18. Hold your place here in Acts. Matthew 18. Take you through some quick scripture study. <clears throat> Matthew 18 and verse 20. I read in my Bible that the reason why we have church is for a name. Matthew 18 and verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together, what are the next three words? In my name. Verse, verse uh, 20, let me find it again. There I am in the midst of thee. Why do we have church? It's so that we can meet in his name. I don't meet in my name. I don't meet in your name or in the name of Mihar Martin. I meet in the name of Jesus Christ. We come to lift up that name and to worship that name. Matthew 18, 5, go back to verse 5. It's why we care. The name of Jesus Christ is why we care for people. Verse 5 says, and whosoever shall receive, shall accept, shall love one such little child in my name. If you do it for me in my name, receive as me. You see, when you take care of other people, it's as if you're trying to take care of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus says, I, I. I honor that. Look at John 14. Well, hold on there. Go back to chapter, uh, go to chapter 28. We'll go to John in a moment. Keep you in Matthew chapter 28. It's why we baptize. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. There you go. Why do if you take Jesus out, we have what are we doing? We take out the reason why we meet, why we care, why we baptize and teach people. Verse 19, 20 says, teaching them to observe all things. 
Uh, go to John 14. John chapter 14. That's why we pray. John 14, 13. John 14, 13, and whatsoever you shall ask, hear those words again, in my name. That will I do. You want to get his attention? Talk about him. See how we come to God? We go, oh, God, oh, it's so hard here today. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Why don't you use his name? Why don't you just say, Lord, you already know what I'm going through. But by the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to trust that you're going to get me through. I'm going to hold on to that name. I'm going to believe that name. It's above every name. I'm trusting the living Savior named Jesus. That's how you pray. We're too poor-mouthed. We ought to be rich in praise of that name. Take you another place. Go to John chapter 3, verse 18. John 3. Do you know how it's how we get saved? That name is what saves us. John chapter 3 and verse 18. <clears throat> John 3, 18. He that believeth on him is not on Jesus is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's that name. That's why the most, the most used name and the most honored name and the most referred to and, and constantly heard name from Christians ought to be Jesus. Because it has power. That is a name. One more. Go to Acts 9. Acts 9, 27. Back to Acts chapter 9, verse 21. 27, sorry. It's a very center point of all that we preach. Acts 9, 27. When you preach on the tabernacle, you preach on the temple, guess what the temple is all about? Jesus. You preach about the lamb and the Passover, guess what the Passover is all about? Jesus. You preach about creation and you learn about the, the uh, uh, everything being created and the Spirit of God moving upon the face of the earth. And then you find out it was the Word there all the time at work in the creation. And it was about Jesus. Everywhere you go in the pages of the Bible, you find Jesus. He's the center point. Look at 927. Paul begins to preach. 27 says this. Um, no, no, 927. I think I'm in the wrong chapter. One more back. 927. But Barnabas took him, took Paul, and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, how Paul had gotten saved, and that he had spoken to him, and how this guy Paul had preached boldly at Damascus, not in the name of religion, not in the name of Judaism, not in the name of Moses, but in the name of Jesus. You see how that works? So if somebody could shut down the name of Jesus, everything we do would fall apart. No wonder they wanted to shut him down. So the rulers made a rule, made, a, made it a law against mentioning that name. It's called censorship. Well, thankfully, these men obeyed a higher law. Go back to Acts chapter 4 and verse 19. We'll pick it up. Acts 4, 19. Oh, they made it illegal to have church. They made it illegal to mention the name of Jesus. Well, let's look at this because God deals with it. Verse 19 says this. 
Peter and John, I'll go right to verse 18. You'll see the, the commandment here in the law. Verse 18, and they called them and they commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. They made a little law. No more mentioning that name. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God? Judge ye. I mean, wow, what a way to talk. You guys are judges. You guys are powerful. You get to make decisions. Tell us. Tell us what to do. Obey you or obey God. What a thing to say. Verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. These men were not trying to be rebels doing their own thing. Too much of that in Christianity. They knew the Bible's commands about obeying your rulers and all authorities, but they were obeying a higher law. When they made the, the Jews uh, were captive in Egypt and Pharaoh made a law saying all brand new baby boys had to be drowned. They had to kill. After birth, they were aborting the life of all male baby Jews. You have to do it. It's a law. Well, you know what? Those midwives, you know what they said? Eh -eh. We're going to obey a higher law. Amen. Even though they made a civil law that made it illegal to let this child live. And they, it was, it was going to cost them their life. They were crossing with the Pharaoh. And they says, we're going to obey a higher law. There are higher laws than the doll. Amen. There are higher laws than my opinion and your opinion. There are higher laws than religion. So what you have here is they say, all right, make a decision between you and the Bible. Tell us what to do, will you? We're waiting for you to help us. Should we obey your words or the words of God? And they say, we're simply speaking what we have seen and known. You know what a witness is? That's it. You don't have to have all the answers. Peter and John are not explaining, oh, this happened because such and such. All we know is the name Jesus works. All we know is he saved us. He's changed his life. I can only tell you what I know. Do you have a conscience that you can speak from? That's what they talk about, conscientious objectors with the military. Somebody says, I cannot, of my own conscience, take a gun and kill somebody. They don't make you fight, at least normally. It's because you have a conscience. Well, does not your conscience and your heart beat with, I know what Jesus did for me, and I must speak it. I've got to be able to have some courage to stand up and say, I'll tell you what I know. When I first got saved and somebody invited me to go out, and, and invite kids to church and uh, to Sunday school. Uh, we went to a door and knocked on the door. And this guy, he's from Texas, okay? He actually had a handlebar mustache and all. And he's standing up there and he's talking to all these parents and inviting the kids out. It was all exciting. And he says, your turn. I went, what? I felt this small. I was just a brand new Christian. He said, just give him a gospel track. Tell him what you know. Well, of course, my mouth goes dry as a desert. My knees are knocking. I'm hoping nobody's home as I knocked on that door. Of course, somebody was. And they came. And what was amazing was, as I began to stumble through and invite, can, would you like to come out to Sunday school and church? Would you like? I'm just starting myself. Would you like to come? She said, what goes on there? I'm not sure, I said. <laughs> There's just a lot of stuff. And all I, <laughs> I had no answers. 
What goes on in your church? I have no idea. I just know there's a guy who stands up at the front. He yells, and it's good. <laughs> a couple of doors down, I got to do it again, and somebody says, what do you mean the gospel? The guy nudged me. He handed me a gospel. So I just opened up the track, and I read them a couple of verses out of the track. That's all I knew. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. Just tell what you know. Tell what you know. <clears throat> Those 71 men, as you read there, it says uh, that they could not speak. They were speechless. These two men, these three men had shown clear, calm reason and logic. There was no rebellion there. They had argued from Scripture. Verse 21, look what it says. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go. Isn't that cool? Who's in charge? Were those men in charge? No. I mean, it was a miracle that they'd just been allowed to go out. since they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men outside the door glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old. He wasn't, wasn't a faker. It was 40 years of crippled now in the past. And can I stop and say, do you know what? No matter how long you've been crippled by sin, no matter how long you've been crippled by anger, or, or bitterness, or um, uh, lust, and, and the crippling effects of sin in your life, you can be as free as that man. Jesus Christ still has that ability. You've got to be willing to let go. I don't think he ever went back to begging, do you think? I think he danced every day for the rest of his life. <clears throat> so uh, these, these guys, Peter and John, were threatened and then let go. Where'd they go? Well, maybe. Let's see. Uh, let's see the next verse. Verse 22. Uh, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all. Let me just read these things down. We'll go through and talk about it in a second. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. Woo! which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they were all gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel hath determined before to be done. They're doing what you designed to happen. And now, Lord, behold, they're threatenings. They're threatening to shut us down. They're threatening us to lose our jobs. They're threatening us to be mocked and, and made fun of throughout Israel. Behold, they're threatenings and granted to thy servants. And stop right there. They start to pray. Let me just go through these things here. Where'd they go? They went to church. 8,120 people <clears throat> gathered and says, what happened, Peter? <clears throat> How come they let you go? What'd they say? Are we in trouble? <laughs> and there, Peter began to rehearse, and John began to say, yeah, and the crippled man looked at this guy, and they're all there, and the people are praising God, and they had church. What is church? It's testimony time. You know, the greatest thing to do is when you get with with other people to church is to talk about how good God was this past week. Oh, I lost my job. Then God gave me another one. 
That's how we talk. People say, I don't know what to say. Just praise God. Find something where you saw God work in your life. That's testimony time. They then, did you notice they were all back in that one accord again, the Honda Accord. They were back in there. You get the joke. They had unity. There was such a spirit. There was not this, this uh, you know, there was not divisions and, and, and cliques and, oh, I would never go over to that side of the church. You know, those people are over there. You know, we're the, the ones that have stars on ours. You ever see John, uh, Dr. Seuss? You don't know that one. <clears throat> they were unified. And they took time to worship God. Look at how they look back there in verse 24. Listen to them. When they heard that testimony, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. It's just, that's a, that's a, a time of worship where you say, you're God, not me, not those Pharisees, nobody else. We look to you. <clears throat> you made everything. You're in charge. And then they pondered scripture. Now, this is a great thing. <clears throat> While they're there, all of a sudden they start quoting from Psalm 2. And for the first time in Peter's life, he understood what Psalm 2 was all about. Why do the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing? The kings rise up against the Lord and against his Christ. And they went, oh, that's now. That's what Herod and Pilate did against the Messiah. And of course, they're upset at Jesus. And we're on the right side. And as they pondered scripture, what gave them that understanding of scripture? Trouble. Never underestimate the trial you went through this week and the trouble you went through because that's when God is trying to teach you the most. You will not understand most of this Bible until you're broken and alone and discouraged and made fun of and misunderstood. And so when you start to read the Bible, all of a sudden the verses will come alive because that was written to people in Rioville, not in Hollywood. Do you understand what I'm saying? Most of us live in Hollywood. We put on our face, we put on our show, we put on a good look, we act like everything's fine when it's not. And when you come to the Bible broken and messed up, God says, let me show you something. And all of a sudden, Psalm 2 came active. And in that time of, of just pondering scripture, he became like, thank you, Lord. I got it now. And then they submitted to the sovereignty of God. This is, I wish I could talk for at least an hour on this thought. Who was in charge of Jesus's death? Not Pilate. Who was? God was. When that soldier nailed those hands and those feet to that cross and raised it up, thinking, there, huh, that'll show you who was actually managing everything all for one purpose so that Jesus could cry out, it is finished wow <laughs> that's the voice of victory and yet then he went oh. and he died it's breathtaking they realize god even when we're in trouble trying to do right it's you that's in charge not those pharisees not those sadducees not the captain of the guards and not the army and not the, not the bullies and not the troublemakers but god that's the sovereignty of god and then they prayed. 
made an important prayer request. Look at what he prayed. Look, let's see what they prayed. All right, ready? Look at verse 29. <clears throat> we'll pick this up now. Now, Lord, behold, do you notice their threatenings, Lord? Would you grant unto thy servants, this is what we need, that with all, what's the word they knew they needed? Boldness. We, we, we know Peter's been bold. We know John's been bold. We know that nutcase of an ex-cripple who's dancing constantly. We know he's bold. He doesn't care anybody's laughing at him for dancing and jumping and leaping. He's courageous. Grant us the same courage. Pick up where I left. That with all boldness, they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. You're the greatest needs. You ready? They didn't need money. They didn't need protection. They needed courage. They needed courage. They needed more miracles. They needed answers to prayer. They needed God to do things that nobody else could do. I'm glad for doctors. I'm glad for Garda. I'm glad for for people who help and stuff, but there are some things, no counselor, no doctor, no lawyer. There are some things nobody can do, and we need God. We need miracles. We need to be able to come home and, and say, you know, we've been praying for such, such, and God answered our prayer. They prayed for miracles, and they prayed one last thing, that the name of Jesus would just be preached and believed by everyone. Did you ever pray that? Lord, say somebody today. Help me use that name, lift it up. Jesus did promises if I be lifted up. He's talking about the cross, but he also talks about just honoring him. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men under me. Just keep putting them up, letting people know he's your savior. I told you about my wife. One time we were at a McDonald's. <clears throat> Maybe it was Burger King. Yeah, it was probably Burger King. I don't like McDonald's normally, okay? I think we were at Burger King, and we were in queue. And this woman back there, they have those. It was this, it's, it's terrible. You're watching them make your burger, you know? And that thing is spattering, is splattering there with the, the grease. And uh, this woman, as we're making her order, this woman gets burned by the grease. She goes, Jesus, without batting an eye, I mean, Mr. Spiritual over here, I don't think anything. Nita goes, do you know him? <laughs> wow. Just make it so that people honor that name and that, that we know him. Reason why I'm saved is because a woman gave me a gospel track and talked to me like she knew him. And he wasn't just a religious icon, he was somebody she loved and knew and walked with. That's what we need to pray for. Verse 31 says this <clears throat> When they finished praying, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they all spake with tongues. Isn't that what it says? Uh-uh. Don't pray for tongues. Pray for courage to use the tongue you got. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Isn't that cool? I mean, wouldn't it be cool? I mean, you pray. Uh, I'm not sure I'd want it everywhere because you come to my house. I don't want you shaking my foundation every time you come to my house, okay? But wouldn't it be cool just to be reminded God saying, I'm here too. I'm with you. When, when, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, what was Jesus saying? I will empower you. You see, without his fullness, without him being my strength, I'll fail. I'll give out. I'll run the, road the other way when persecution hits. 
The fullness of the Holy Spirit brings fullness of joy and courage. Go to, go to um, Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Two scriptures real quick. Ephesians 5, 18. That's why we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I can do nothing without him. That third person of the Trinity is our key to sanity, is our key to any kind of success in the Christian life. It's the key to being, because what does drink give you? Nothing. It takes. What do drugs give you? Nothing. They rob. What does porn give you? Nothing. So when you're full of anything else, you lose. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what you get? You get boldness. You get life. You get joy and peace in, in, in the Holy Ghost. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine. Oh, I had such a good time on Saturday. Really? Do you remember? Why are you throwing up in the toilet that night? Be not drunk with wine, where it always is excess. But Christians, be filled with the Spirit. You know what? When the world commands you, don't speak in the name of Jesus Christ. You need to get into your prayer closet and say, God, they're telling me not to on the job. They're telling me I can't hand out gospel tracts. They're telling me I can't be a witness. Fill me with the Holy Ghost so that I'm bold and I'm courageous and I use my time wisely and I don't use the time that I should be working. But when everybody else is talking about the weekend, I'm going to talk about Jesus. Be bold. Have courage. And back there and go to go to this thing. This this led to whole church started talking. They had let Peter be bold. They had watched Peter all the way. Acts chapter two, three, and four. Who's been preaching the whole time? Peter. It's always Peter. But look in Acts uh, four thirty one. Read it again. And when they had prayed, the church, whole church, 8,120 people, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, not just the apostles. And they spake the word of God with boldness. All of them got preaching. All of them began speaking with Jesus, of Jesus with courage. Go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 42 and we're finished. Daily in the temple... And in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. And they turned the world upside down. Say, well, they must have been much more spiritual. They must have been much more rich. They were, they're just like us. They were nobodies who just got infected by Jesus Christ and got a desire to have courage like Peter had. It's time for us to pray for boldness. We're going to do that in just a second. Because it's getting harder and harder than ever here in Europe to find a Christian. So we need to pray. Why? Why is boldness so important? Because it, it causes us to press on in spite of fears. It is contagious. When you see somebody courageous, other people will stand with them. It just happens. When a few begin to stand like Peter and John did, thousands more joined in. Where do we get boldness? You got to ask for it. 
I can't give you a class on boldness. There's no pill for boldness. There's prayer. There's desperate desire of wimpy Christians crying out saying, God, give me backbone. I've never once opened my mouth on the job. I have never handed a track out this year. I have never sat down with my family and said, ladies and gentlemen, you may not realize it, but I'm saved. And I've never told you how or why. And I'm ashamed that I've never told you how to be saved. Give us backbone. Give us courage. Give us all boldness. Because people need to see it. And what do we do with it? We stand up and speak. Become bold as a lion. You know what Proverbs chapter 28 says? It says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let's become bold as a lion and soul winning like Stephen was when he stood up there and he preached the gospel to people who were about ready to stone him. And they did. Let's be bold like Moses was when he finally got over all his fears and he walked right up to Pharaoh face to face and he said, let God's people go. Let's learn to be bold like David was when he was running up to Goliath with a little sling. <laughs> I mean, you could even slap him with that thing. It would do no good. He had courage. Let's have boldness like Joseph when Potiphar's wife laid out on that bed, said, come lie with me. And he says, no, how can I sin against God? Out he ran. That's courage. Like those Christians were at first, where they ceased not. Jesus Christ was courageous. I don't want to die for anybody. But Jesus said, I'll die for you. I'll let them beat me. I'll walk right up to them. That crowd came there while he was praying, and he stood up and said, who seek you? Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. And they all fell back. He says, I've got the power to walk away from this thing. And what does he do? He says, I'm he. And with courage, he took the beatings and he took the whippings and he took the lashings and he took the nails. That's courage. And the only thing he asks you to do is look to him for salvation and say, Lord, if you want me, here I am. Save me now. Save me now. Stand with me. Let's pray. There, every head bowed and every eye closed. <clears throat> to think for a second what a good dose of boldness could do for you. Too many of us have let the Peters do all the preaching, the Johns have all the courage. You sat and you've watched God work in other people's lives. It's time for us all to say, God, would you do something for me? Would you shake up my life? Would you make me courageous? I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to answer. I don't know how to do anything, but I want to do something. As I get ready to pray here, would you just take a moment and say, God, give me boldness. I've prayed too much for everything else. I've prayed for a job. I've prayed for a wife or a husband. I've prayed for a miracle in, in so many different ways, but I've never prayed for boldness. God, give me courage. Help me put 
a fist full of, of gospel leaflets in my pocket, in my purse, and let me go out to the highways and hedges. Let me, let me make a difference. And yeah, they're going to laugh. And I want to have courage to keep doing steadfastly. Because Jesus was steadfast for me and loving me. Father, I do pray for courage. I know there are times when I just, bleh, I just don't get moving. And it grieves me and I'm ashamed. Lord, if, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to take, God, before we get in motion. But God, please give us courage so we're ready. Give us courage so we care. Give us courage. Make us, make us bold as a lion. Our greatest example never shied away. He did beyond the call of duty. When everybody else was falling out, he just stayed the course because of courage. He knew the will of God. I know the will of God too. So in this room, God, there's probably people who, I'm sure they're religious. I'm sure they're very good people. But like me, they're counting in their prayers and their goodness, counting on Mary and counting on the saints and counting all their good works. And Peter never preached, you've got to look to Mary. John never declared that the saints could save anybody. Only Jesus saves. And in this room, God, would you please help somebody's heart to break and crumble at the thought that they would forever and ever be separated from you if they died today. It's not because they're so terribly bad, but it's because they're not perfect. And that you love broken people. We call them sinners. And you died for sinful people. And you want sinful people, but you want them to look to you and to cry out to you to be saved. Like the thief on the cross, all he had to do was call upon your name. Would you ask, invite somebody in this room, Lord, speak to their hearts to trust you today. Let them know that that's what it means to be born again is to just turn from their sin, whoever they've been, and turn to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, take me, I take you. Save me, I yield to you now. And then from this day forward, decide I'm going to follow Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.